This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today I am taking you inside a personal conversation about my own fitness. Now, lots of you guys are here with the goal of fat loss, and fitness is not the primary driver of fat loss. Exercise, working out is awesome, makes you feel great, certainly good for your health, but it's not the primary driver of fat loss. It is, however, something that really helps me personally. And I think the large reason it helps me has nothing to do with building strength and everything to do with taking great care of myself. I feel happier. I feel more positive. I feel more capable after a workout than before. Going to the gym for me is that time of the day when I'm not thinking about work, when I'm not thinking about clients, when I'm not thinking about personal situations in my own life. That's the real benefit for me. It's also a big part of the person I want to be. I really personally value being strong and healthy and physically able. So a few weeks ago, and I talked about this in episode 509, I completed my CrossFit Level 1 training certification. And I didn't do this because I plan to coach CrossFit classes. I actually don't. I did it because I wanted to learn more and because I wanted to be able to help my clients better. I came out of the training really inspired about the idea that I go into a lot of detail on in episode 509, but this idea that we don't just want to check the box, yes, I worked out today. We really want to make sure that our workouts are meeting our goals. If our goal is to get stronger, are we getting stronger? If our goal is to get leaner, are we getting leaner? And if we're not meeting our goals, what are we doing about it? Now, you know, if you've been listening for a while, that the workout style I love is CrossFit. Doesn't mean you have to love it. It's just what I love. Within CrossFit, though, every different CrossFit gym handles programming differently. So some CrossFit gyms do the workouts as written by CrossFit headquarters. Other gym owners program their own workouts. Some gyms actually use CrossFit New England's programming. I used to belong to CrossFit New England, and I loved it there, and I loved their programming. I'm not there anymore, and I don't put my fitness and my progress in the hands of anybody but me. So the gym owner, where I go now, is not responsible for programming to meet my needs. I am responsible for meeting my needs. So here's what happened. After my level one training, I reached out to my good friend. He's been on the show before. He is a CrossFit athlete. He is a CrossFit coach, Nathan Kyle. 
he was on in episode 74, which would be a great one to go back to, I reached out to him and I said, hey, can you help me create or create for me a general framework that I should look to operate within? What I mean by that is, how many days a week should I be lifting heavy? How many metabolic conditioning or interval training sessions should I be doing per week? How many times a week should I be doing really, really short, high-intensity intervals? How many times a week should I be doing longer intervals that are still high on the intensity scale, but not as high as those really shorter ones that are a greater burst of energy? So we were having a conversation about this, and I said, wait, wait, wait. I think this would be an interesting podcast. I know not everybody that listens to this show is interested in working out, but there are a fair number of you that I think are. If you aren't working out now, you're curious about starting. So I said, for the people who might find this interesting, would you be comfortable, Nathan, having this conversation as a podcast? And he was like, well, yeah, but I might want to take a little bit more time to think about it. I said, okay, how about tomorrow? <laughs> and I, I got on his calendar and we hit record and we just had this conversation pausing as needed to like define terms and also answer some of your questions from episode 509. Like, how do you know if a gym is a good gym? How do you know if a trainer is a good trainer? That sort of stuff. We get to that towards the end. But I thought it would be fun for you guys to see a glimpse inside what my training looks like, the questions I'm asking, and Nathan's advice given my goals of increasing my overall fitness. If you want to know more about what that means, listen to 509 and fat loss. I do think episode 74 is a fantastic primer because in that, we talk about what functional movements are, what the big lifts are. We reference that in today's episode, but we don't go into a lot of detail. So for the backstory, head back to 74. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. I'll also link in the show notes to all the past episodes I've done on fitness. So if you find that you're listening to this episode and you want to know more, check out the episodes I've already done on fitness. And if you have questions from this episode, do not hesitate to leave a comment on the show notes page or tag me over on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. We will make sure we hit you up with an answer. But I hope you enjoy this glimpse inside a personal conversation between me and someone I both respect and admire, someone I consider a fantastic coach, a fantastic trainer, someone who has been integral in my own journey. He introduced me to CrossFit. Actually, when I found CrossFit, he was my first ever coach, and we worked together one-on-one. Some of the best training experiences I've had were with Nathan. So big thanks to him for being willing to have a more personal conversation and record it on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know if you have any questions. All right, Nathan, we're doing this again. Are you ready? I sure am. So it has been quite some time since you were last on the podcast. Quite some time. Specifically, Uh, actually, oh my gosh, today is August 25th. Do you know when our last episode aired? It was also in August. Do you know what year? 2016. No, 2015. No, 15. Yeah. 
15th. Holy cow. I know. So time flies, right? Does it feel like it's been three years? <laughs> no, it does not feel like it's been a long, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. Cause that's... when we recorded then we were both in North Carolina, we were doing it mm-hmm. from my home office together. Yeah. But now you're in North Carolina and I'm on Cape Cod. A million miles away. But we've totally stayed in touch. <laughs> yes, we have. We've totally stayed in touch. And you are, as we talked about in episode 74, um, you are a CrossFit coach. I am. And you are a CrossFit athlete. I do. Still do it. Love it. I know. And I just got my level one. <laughs> That's right. Good for you. I know. So after, just for everybody, I have a little bit of context. After I got my level one, which is like the baseline, this is the training you need if you want to coach CrossFit. Not because I want to coach CrossFit, because I love to learn. And I think it will help me be a better steward for some of my clients as well. Um, After I went through my level one, I was texting. I texted you before. I texted you during. I texted you after. (laughs) And one of the cool things that I came away with that training Uh, one of the things I came away with was this idea that it's more than just showing up at the gym every day, right? Which I know there's, there's good effective ways to work out. There's completely ineffective. You're practically wasting your time ways to work out. There's ways to get hurt. But before I moved to Cape Cod, I was working out at CrossFit New England, which in my opinion, from my experience is one of the better CrossFit gyms in the country, if not the world. Do you agree? I would agree. Then I moved to the Cape, which broke my heart from the perspective of leaving CrossFit New England. But I have a CrossFit box down here and some some CrossFit boxes for everybody listening write their own programming. So the owner of the gym or some of the trainers of the gym <laughs> will write programming and other gyms um, use, a lot of them actually use CrossFit New England's programming. Am I right on that? Very common to see that, yeah. Yeah. So after I went through the level one... And knowing that I'm not at CrossFit New England anymore, not at one of the best boxes around, I was chatting with you because I want to make sure that I'm not just going to the gym every day and working hard, but that I'm really, truly getting fitter, that I am not just getting stronger, right? I, my goal is not to every month increase my deadlift max, right. but that I'm actually making progress, becoming a healthier, more fit version of myself month after month. And so I reached out to you and I said, um, can you help me with this? <laughs> <laughs> and after we talked about it, actually, I think we were on the phone just a few days ago. And I said, I think we should record this as a podcast. So my desire is not just to work out most days and work hard and make sure that I'm doing all those things we talked about way back three years ago in episode 74 in terms of hinging movements and squatting movements and pushing and pulling and all of that. I want to have a sense whether I am at my CrossFit gym or I am working out at home or I'm traveling or I'm going to the track or to the pool some days. I wanted you to help me create a general structure for variability and for stimulus so that I'm getting fitter. So with that in mind, 
help me? Like, where do we start with that? Because I know a lot of people listening too are probably in that boat and you probably see it every day. It must drive you crazy with people that are just going through the motions every day and right. not really being intentional mm-hmm. about creating change. Right. Um, I would say there's a couple ways to kind of jump into that. Number one, I think people have to assess what their goals are and um, how much time do they have to contribute to those? Because a lot of people look at, you know, maybe for example, I have 90 minutes to two hours a day to work out. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that, yeah. right? So if you have a limited amount of time, let's say you have one hour, literally yeah. I'm off work, I got to get it in, then I've got other things to do. Um, what do I put into that one hour, right? And if that's all that that's I have. Pretty- pretty much where I'm at. Like, do I have more than an hour? Yes. Do I want to give more than an hour? Sure don't. Nope. Not even a little. Yeah. So we have to maximize that time. Right. Um, in light of that, one of the things that, you know, Bergeron, for example, that, that he covers well is there's a variety of things you can do from his programming, but typically you're not going to be able to do all of it. Right. He'll highlight a Metcon of some sort. You'll usually have either a strength movement or some sort of aerobic conditioning kind of piece. Mm -hmm. Right. Usually it's an interval style in nature. So I think for most people, if we're starting, let's say, with strength, um, I think being strong, and I don't mean I have to deadlift 500 pounds or I have to max my back squat every day. I just mean being physically strong will transfer well to everything else you do in fitness. Mm -hmm. So if you're picking good fundamental movements to do in a strength uh, rep scheme at least three days a week, you know, uh, let's say you're training for five, you're doing at least three days a week, you're doing something like uh, a a shoulder press or a deadlift, or a back squat, or front squat, something of that nature, I think you're probably going to be getting a well, relatively well-rounded amount of strength work. Realistically, you're not going to be on a barbell every day doing strength work, nor do you need to be, in my opinion, right, for most people. Um, so let's the, just, for for everybody listening, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but when you sure. say strength work, and you know, mm-hmm. doing those big lifts, yeah. we're really talking about variations on the squat, so front squat, back squat, overhead if mobility squat. Mobility allows, yeah. If mobility allows, then overhead squat. In in my opinion, based on watching a lot of people move, not far far <laughs> too many people don't uh, don't really account for the fact that you need to perfect your air squat. Yeah. Right. right? If you can't do it with no weight, you have no business throwing on two hundred pounds or and, um, or ten pounds for that or, matter or ten pounds, right? But so many people, I feel like, unfortunately, and I see it a lot with people that I may not necessarily be working with, but I see in the gym, maybe just in gyms that I go to, are extremely worried about their one rep max numbers, yeah. right? And and my philosophy on that kind of stuff, strength especially, is move well, yeah, and don't be afraid to move slowly, yeah, right? Or so move if you under can't no weight squat, at all, yeah, or under no weight at all. But if I told you, for example, I said, look, we're going to work on your air squat. Right. And you could bang out 10 not so great looking air squats, but you're moving fast enough that you're not really falling over. You're not leaning over all that much. So it looks okay, Right. It's 70, 80 percent quality. Mm -hmm. And now I tell you to squat down slowly for five seconds. Right. And you have to hold a perfect position all the way to the bottom of your squat and all the way up. Well, now we're going to find all sorts of things that are probably wrong that would come out if we added 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150 pounds. Right. So let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like, I don't know if I have good form on the air squat, body weight squat. A lot of people are like, what's an air squat, body weight squat? Absolutely. Great, great question. Where do you even start? Like I have the great benefit of my CrossFit. I was about to say career. It's no career. (laughs) (laughs) My CrossFit experience began with you. 
And so you taught me those things and you and I worked together one-on-one. And so then when I moved up to CFNE, I knew how to move well, but Mm -hmm. Susie Sunshine, she didn't have a clue. Sure. Um, If you do not have access to a good trainer or good coach, right? If you're trying to truly do this on your own, the simple answer would be there are with a little bit of work online, there is a fair amount of good information you can get for free if you take the time to do it, to understand the form of these basic movements. Right. And then you can slowly add weight. Most people don't want to do that homework. Right. If you have access to a good coach at a CrossFit gym, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Right. Make sure you show me how to do a perfect air squat before you ask me to put a barbell on my back. Right. Come watch me squat. Come give me some cues. Tell me what I'm doing right or wrong. Um, It's going to take a little bit of effort on your part is the biggest thing. But, and I think, um, you know, because there's so much crappy information online, like it, it's a pet peeve of mine to see yeah. coaches and trainers posting videos online and their form is awful. <laughs> Does that not make you bonkers? Yeah, it's extremely. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I've never been to the CrossFit Games. It even frustrates me when the CrossFit Games athletes put up lifts and things that they're doing that are clearly would injure the average gym goer and they have no business attempting right because they're appealing to a larger audience whether they realize it or not and they've got sometimes hundreds of thousands of followers right you need to be careful what you're putting up you think it's a cool pr other people are looking at that and could be very seriously injured if they're not careful yeah um so yeah even if somebody has no interest in crossfit and will never in their life set foot in a crossfit gym Going to CrossFit.com and watching the free video tutorials or or following CrossFit and CrossFit training on Instagram or Facebook, I think is a fantastic way to learn to move on your own for free with good information. I agree completely. Because again, CrossFit did not invent anything new necessarily. They've just put a spin on some of the formats in which they take place. Moving well has been around for a long time and they offer a great way to see that information firsthand. So yeah, I agree. And for free. So I think that's That's a great resource. Okay. So back to what we were talking about. Strength three days. When we talk about the big lifts, we're Mm -hmm. really talking about squatting. We're talking Mm -hmm. about deadlifting. We're talking about pressing. Yes. Basically, that's that's what we're looking at, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. so pulling yeah. weight off the floor, pushing weight overhead, dropping underweight in a squat, those variations, working on kind of those compound movements, and we talked about what that means in episode 74. I'll link to that in the show notes um, for mm-hmm. today's episode. But that's what we're talking about there. So when you say three days of strength, as sure. a general structure... How often are we training at weights that aren't really heavy? So 50, 60% of, we won't even say max, because a lot of the people listening have no idea what their run rep max is. And I don't think they need to, but 50% of like the heaviest you feel like you could go and maintain good form. How often are we pushing up to doing lower reps at higher weight? And how often are we training higher reps and lower weights so most of the time if you're going to build the strength piece right um you're looking somewhere in that two to five maybe two to six rep range okay okay so if we're talking about look i want to build strength let's just say we'll keep it simple in a squat position of some kind in a pulling position like a deadlift and in a press maybe a horizontal press like a bench press or an overhead press right like a a shoulder press you know if you're doing somewhere between um two to five reps in a set Mm -hmm. right? No more than that. And you're looking to push the loading 
heavier, obviously, since we're doing less reps, form still being a factor, and you're probably doing no more than three to five sets. So we're looking at like over the course of your strength, you might only be doing maybe 15 reps, Mm -hmm. right? Five sets of three, maybe five sets of five on the high end is probably the most you're going to do in a strength set. Mm -hmm. So 25 reps or less. You could do that safely, in my opinion, at least three days a week, right? And it allow you to be able to hit each of those major lifts Mm -hmm. each week. Right now, if you're going to do a CrossFit style format, let's just call it interval training, right? And in the interval training time portion, you're going to be doing much lighter loads. That's where you're going to get your accumulation of some reps and some volume. Much, much, much lighter weight. Separate from the strength piece. Separate from the strength piece, right? So maybe in your strength piece, you're going to do five sets of two. You're going to do a back squat. And let's say you're going to squat 100 pounds. Well, then in the Metcon, you might do a med ball slam which is a variation of a squat, it might be 20 pounds, right? But now we're not talking about two reps. We might be talking about 10, 12, 15 reps. So you're accumulating lighter loads, more volume, and then you're getting in some work, right? Typically for time, you know, in a very aerobic structure. So yeah, that's where you accumulate the lighter, higher volume movements. So part one of this general structure is working in that strength piece, big compound movements, heavier weights, lighter or uh, lower reps, Three days a week. Then what? Correct. What are we layering onto that next? Um, you can layer part two. We can simply talk about something that's more cardiovascular in nature. A lot of people I talk to want to come in and they think they need to be running all the time, every day, in well, addition you know to whatever. That's not me. Right, right. But I get a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people that come in and say, "Hey, I just finished CrossFit. Should I go run a couple miles to do extra work?" What I would say to that is, if you're doing the metcons, right, or the the timed aerobic pieces that you have in a, in a given workout correctly and with intensity, you don't need to add on a lot of endurance training, right? Longer distances on top of that, unless you have a specific endurance goal, like you want to be a triathlete or a long distance runner. Go ahead. It would probably be helpful um, because you and I know this lingo. So when we say Metcon, we're talking about metabolic conditioning. Correct. What is it? And another way to say that is like high intensity, but what is it about a Metcon that conditions you metabolically? So good question. Without getting too in-depth necessarily, you've got some basic energy pathways that you can work in when you do fitness, right? The lower or shorter duration pathways, um, there's two of them, phosphagen and glycolytic, are going to be somewhere when we do an interval workout, probably somewhere in the range of 5 to 15 minutes of work. Yeah, 5 to 15 minutes. Any more than that, Usually, and you're going to get far more aerobic, right? Oxidative pathway, longer runs, longer rows, longer bikes, things like that. Most people, again, this is, you could find varying information. Most people don't need to add in an abundance of the longest pathway of training, Mm -hmm. right? The advantage to the shorter two is they actually help you generally be fit enough to go out and do the longer longer endurance pieces. But if you only train a lot of the longer distance or maybe do too much of the longer distance, it's going to hurt your ability to do shorter distance. So it's a give and a take. You train your strength movements, you work for five to 15 minutes, we'll just say in the shorter, more, um, you know, interval style, high intensity pieces. If you want to go out and run three miles, I promise you, you're going to be able to go do that, right? You want to go row a 5k, you're going to be able to do that. If all you do is train the long distances, when you want to come in and work on your strength and try to push hard for, let's say five minutes, that's really going to suffer because you're not used to the intensity and the explosive strength needed to do those movements. And I think a lot of it too is 
giving yourself the experience of intensity because the fact of the matter is you cannot work out for long periods of time intensely. No, you like can't. You can't. Not if yeah. you're doing it correctly. No, you really, you really can't. Right. You, you, really can't. you, if you think like a, a marathon runner is bringing their highest level of intensity, they're not. Mm-hmm. That, no. that is a low intensity activity for them. Now, now an individual sure. listening might be thinking, holy crap, that would be so intense for me to go run 26 <laughs> miles. But the comparison is the way that you exert your body in a 100 meter sprint, the effort and intensity you can bring to that duration versus mm-hmm. five miles, 26.2 sure. miles. And what a lot of people are used to in training is that paced effort. You know, jogging a handful Mm -hmm. of miles, hopping on the elliptical, picking up some free weights. And so the the difference to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, with the Metcon or the metabolic conditioning is you're not really pacing, right? You are at times, especially if it's like a 15 minute workout, you're not going with the same level of effort as if you're doing a 100 meter sprint, Uh, but you aren't pacing in the way you pace for, say, a 20 minute, a 30 minute, a 40 minute workout. Right. Yeah. And, and it goes back in my opinion to the, to the age old quality over quantity, yeah. right? So you can come in and do a 15 minute workout and you know this, I can say, Hey, here's the workout. It's 15 minutes. You guys move at whatever pace you want. When you get done, you're done. You can make that workout really, really easy because mm-hmm. you know, it's only going to be 15 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Or you can make yourself suffer a little bit in that 15 minutes, push the pace up the intensity. And what I can tell you is I promise you your results longer term are going to be far better if you focus on the intensity yeah. and don't worry about always trying to do more, Yeah. right? It's not volume. It's intensity. Push a little harder, maybe suffer a little more, maybe lay on the floor a little longer at the end, but you know you got in a really good quality 10 to 15 minutes of work. Yeah. And if you did it right, you probably don't have the effort to go get up and run two, three, four miles. Yeah, it's the last it's thing not you there. Do. And exactly. what I try to explain to people, especially, and I know you deal with this, people that are like, well, I feel like if I only worked out for 15 minutes, I, I didn't do <laughs> enough. And I'm like, sure. okay, fitness And especially when we're talking about fitness for fat loss, but I think, you know, your perspective for yourself is not fat loss and probably for a lot of the people you coach as well. It's stimulus response. The greater the stimulus, the greater the response. Some of my best workouts with you were probably less than two minutes of total work when we were doing those uphill sprints Mm -hmm. and it would be like a 12 second sprint for me to go up that hill Mm -hmm. and then... I'd walk recover for a minute, a minute and a half yeah. and walk back and then sprint again, 12 seconds of work, maybe doing that 10 times and you are toast. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ask most, you know, most trainers out there, if you said, look, I have limited time, what's the most bang for my buck when it comes to training? They're all going to say intensity, some variation yeah. of intense interval training. Yeah. They're going to say work super hard for one to three minutes and then hang out. Yeah. Right. Let your heart rate come back down. Yeah. Do it again, five, six, seven times. So at the end, you might only work for somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes yeah. of actual work. Yeah. But when you're working, you're you giving it working. 110%. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You're not jogging for 30 minutes at a very low relative heart rate. And you're just hoping that that's enough work, you know, to put in the, the miles that you need. Um, and the metabolic effects after that, again, without getting too in depth of jogging a couple of miles or doing hard interval training with a sled or hill sprints or mm-hmm. kettlebell swings or any of that kind of stuff is far better for you and greater for you 
yeah, than and to just I go out and jog for two or three miles. In you previous know? episodes, we've we've geeked out on the science of like epoch yeah. and you know post exercise oxygen consumption and how that benefits you metabolically more than uh, going out and doing that low and slow kind of cardio jog bike ride etc. Um, mm-hmm. For sure, so I can link to those episodes in the show notes yeah. as well. So when we talk about three days of strength, then adding this metabolic conditioning. Four days a week? Yeah, I would. Well, I would say conservatively for the for the metabolic conditioning piece, right? Doing something that's a mixture of most of the time somewhere between maybe two and four movements, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and again, sticking to general functional movements that are mm-hmm. you know kettlebell swings, squats, a mixture of body weight and maybe some lightly weighted movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do that at least four days a week. Okay. Um, and then if you wanted to add in on top of that one to two days a week, something that is monostructural and aerobic, meaning. Um, it's only rowing or yeah. only biking or only swimming or something of that nature. I still would recommend that you treat it as intervals, okay. but the intervals could vary maybe from, you know, as short as one minute, 30 seconds to one minute, yeah. maybe even up to three or four minutes, yeah. but you're not consistently rowing or running for say 40 minutes, right? Yeah. That I don't think is needed all that often. I think you can do it occasionally. So maybe um, like for that, say a four by 400 meter run. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Run 400 meters at a pace you think you can sustain, but it's definitely going to push you and would require two minutes of rest, right? right? Not the goal I'm just with, loafing around like, yeah, I feel good, exactly. I paced myself, but I need this two minutes sure. to so be the able basic, to go again. The basic fundamentals behind an interval tra- uh, interval training session, just you know, without getting too too in depth, is whatever you choose. Right, you could choose a couple hundred meter row, you could choose a four hundred meter run. Um, there's a multitude of things you could choose. The goal is for the distance that I just chose. If I give it a hundred percent effort, right, that I need to be able to get that done, mm-hmm. is it an effort that requires me to rest? Number one, mm-hmm. right, which you want it to be. And if I if I pick a rest interval let's say two minutes rest between, is it enough rest for me to come back and repeat the effort, right? So intervals are mm. about repeat. So you're not falling off. Yeah. So if I say, hey, run a, Elizabeth, run a 400 and you do it in 90 seconds and then we rest for 30 seconds and I say, run it again and it takes you two minutes. You well, that's not, a, that's not a good interval, right? <laughs> right. Because I'm not helping you bring that level of ability and consistency and effort. I want to yeah. say run 90 seconds, rest two minutes. You go back and you do it again and you do it in like a minute 32. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And you yeah. do it again. Maybe it's a minute 35, yeah. but either way, our You're deviation close. is close. It's yeah. relatively consistent efforts with fixed rest times. And there's so many ways you can do that. And it's not all that complicated. You just got to listen to your body and, and kind of whittle down rest times or, you know, add them up uh, if needed. So you brought up something right there that I want to touch on because you said for the distance that you chose, mm-hmm. you're you're picking an intensity, which is such an important point of distinction. And and this is one running; it's easier to find for me on a rowing machine. And I love to row; I think I'm a pretty good <laughs> yeah. rower. I have yeah. a harder time figuring that out. So what you're basically saying there, which is a great point of distinction, if I'm rowing 250 meters. Mm-hmm. I am capable of a much higher level of intensity than if I'm rowing a thousand meters. So yes. I can still be at 80% intensity or 90% intensity on that 1000 meters. It just looks different than my 250 because I know 
and I, I've done this with you. I think it was on a 2K yeah. row. I about mm-hmm. fell off the rower maybe three quarters of the way in because I didn't mm-hmm. know how to pace that intensity. So I sure. went all out guns blazing and then I like gassed out. And yeah. I was just like, oh crap, I still have 500 <laughs> meters to go. But that's such you know, a good point. Yeah. And, and one of the things with that, and you kind of brought it up, it is going to be a little bit I say a little bit, it's going to be a lot dependent on the individual, you know, and there's going to be a little bit of trial and error. If you don't have somebody there going, okay, slow down, don't go as hard. You're not going to be able to sustain that. Right. So a simple way to do that is actually, you mentioned it, maybe get on a rower and row a 2k, Mm -hmm. right? See how bad it hurts and see how long it takes you. Mm -hmm. And it can give you a gauge if you backtrack from there on what your 500 meter pace is. Right. And then you can sort of apply that to some of your shorter intervals and just start by trying to maintain your 2K pace yeah. for three, four, 500 meters in an interval. And then if that's easy, start to shave it down a little bit, but it gives you a baseline. And right? you know, as an individual, even if you're starting out, whether or not you had more to give. You do. You know, you just It's know learned. That. Exactly. You have to figure it out, but yeah. it absolutely is something you can find out for yourself. And, and you need to. Oh, that, that's such a great point as far as needing to so much of everything in life you learn from doing and we all want answers like I know for sure somebody is listening right now that is like well what's a good 500 meter row pace dude you're screwing yourself when you're trying yeah. to like learn from your practice you know the way sure. to find that answer sit in row 500 <laughs> meters and yeah. then see how you yeah. feel figure it out for your body. And when I say that, I don't mean like figure it out for yourself, but actually figure it out for yourself. Yeah. If you wonder like, well, what's a good mile time? Go run a mile. It's totally relative. relative. I can say I run a five and a half minute mile and it's irrelevant for you. Exactly. And it can honestly hurt your fitness Exactly. because you could run not a five and a half minute mile and you're like, man, I'm really not good at running. Absolutely. No, you're doing something phenomenal for you and you're not starting where I started. And you're also not starting where I am. And it's just so not don't get caught anybody's up business. Like, yes. oh, well, I saw somebody post online that they did a 2K row in such and such. <laughs> it takes me twice as long. Who cares? Yeah. Right. Who right. cares? Anybody who's wondering like, well, what's a good target? You get to set that target. So if you sit down and you row a 500 meter, whatever it is, then you decide next time I'm going to try and shave 10 seconds off that. Sure. That's how you set goals. Setting goals is that simple. I rode 500 meters in two minutes. Today I want to do it in 157. Yeah. That's it. If you do it in 157, you won. You beat yourself at the workout and that's the only person that matters. And the other part of it is I think sometimes people leave their brains in their car when they go to the gym. Because I 100% concur with that. <laughs> because here's the thing. If you set that goal to do it in 157 and it took you 206, dude, that's information. It's not a failure of any sort. Ask yourself, like, well, what did I do differently? Did Because sometimes what will happen, and I know I shared this with you actually recently. I'll often text you after my workouts. Um, and I think I said, like, my coach said something to me during the workout. And so I was paying more attention to the cue she gave me and trying to do that right. than yeah. I was paying attention to, like, the time target that I had set for myself. And so mm-hmm. that's a factor. Like, hmm, turns out that I run faster when I run this way or when I'm trying to breathe this way. So mm-hmm. bring your brain with you to the gym. Yeah. And because and most people bring their emotions, leave their brain. 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's really not the way. If anything, leave your emotions in a the gym, car. I was going to say, a gym is a great place to get away from emotions and stress of the day and exactly. just do something with your body. It creates endorphins. It does a host of things. Leave yeah. the emotions in the car. Exactly. And too many people are choosing the emotional response to fitness, yeah. fearing the yeah. workout, fearing their capacity, fearing getting hurt disappointed in their performance, but they're not considering the logic of it. I know I perform differently when I work out at three in the afternoon than when I work Mm -hmm. out at seven in the morning. I know I perform differently when I'm eating really well or when I'm rested or when I'm not eating really well or I'm not rested. You make a good point there. And I actually just had a scenario with a client the other day with that. And she trains with me and she also does some CrossFit normal classes. And people get very, very Um, disconnected from the macro picture, right? So you come into the gym, most of you guys have full-time jobs. And she came in, she was like, man, I really didn't want to tell you this, but all I had was breakfast this morning and I forgot to get my other two meals. She normally meal preps. She's like, I didn't have them with me. I didn't eat. So here I am. And we did some stuff that wasn't a huge deal. It was accessory strength work. It was fine. It wasn't a make or break, but she was about to go 30 or 45 minutes later to the CrossFit gym and do a metabolic conditioning workout. And it wasn't exactly going to be an easy one, right? So I said, look, look at the big picture. You didn't sleep super well last night. You've been kind of stressed out with family stuff. You didn't eat two of your three meals today and you want to go do more fitness. Go home. I said, you need to realize either (laughs) A, go home, right? 100%. Most people don't listen to that advice. Sadly, most people do not listen to that advice. And if you are, you are underfed and underslept, you are better off going home. I'll just go and throw this out there. You're better off going home than going to kill yourself in the gym because your bodily stress load will go up and not in a good way. But I told her, I said, look, you need to realize before you set foot in that gym, that your 100% today is not going to look or feel anything like previous days 100%. Yeah. So I don't want you chasing people. I don't want you deadlifting too heavy. I don't want you trying to push the pace. Yeah. I don't want you trying to win the whiteboard. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? Your 100% right now is going to be move well, finish the workout, yeah. go home. That's but it. Here's, and here's what that represents though. Bringing in your emotions and leaving behind your brain. Mm-hmm. And if we Absolutely. can just get in the practice, not just in gym, kids, <laughs> like, like in, <laughs> in life, life, right? Life lesson, <laughs> right? Like, am I really thinking this through cerebrally, intellectually, like a grown person, or and do I have my emotional filter on right now? Yeah. And yeah. when it comes to workouts, it's not always a competition, and in sure. fact, it's probably rarely. If you're ever competing with anybody, it's yourself. And you're rarely competing with yourself. Yeah. You know? And I think and, that that's just gets lost. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, in the in the small setting of an individual gym, if you come in, I think competition can be healthy uh-huh. to a point, right? It's it's more like it's the community encouragement competition factor. And it's yeah. kind of all rolled into one. But most of the time people who are trying to overly compete either get really, really frustrated, which causes them to do two things. Either A move poorly mm-hmm. or B move poorly and get injured. Yeah. Right. And both of those sideline you from the greater goal. Yeah. And both of those sideline you from the greater goal, which is what health and fitness. That's all it is. Right. So don't get caught up in stupid things. Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Sure. So So when it comes to the Metcom piece, so looking at roughly four metabolic conditioning sessions per week, here's Mm -hmm. where my biggest personal question is and why I reached out to you in the beginning that turned into, Hey, let's record this on a podcast. Like this is just really Elizabeth asking Nathan because I want to know. Sure. Within Metcons, some of them are like wicked fast, like Fran. So for those listening or, or Grace, Grace is my favorite. 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of CrossFit workouts have names and they're just a specific workout, but some of them can be, depending on the individual and their fitness level, like less than five minutes, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, in the three minute range, but they're intense as heck. And you're, yeah. you're, you're huffing and puffing and gassed at the end. And if somebody asked you to so much as open a door for them, you'd be like, I need a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, other Metcons can be 20 minutes. Yeah. My personal preference <laughs> in terms <laughs> of the intensity that it allows me to bring and what I think my body responds to. So it's not so much like I like the ones that are the least work because I think the shortest workouts tend to be the hardest because mm-hmm. of the intensity you're able to bring knowing that the work period is so short. So I personally feel like my body does very well with the super short, very high intensity versus the still short, but significantly longer, like 15 to 20 minutes sure. workouts at a, a slightly lower intensity. I also think part of that reason for me isn't just about my power, but my body's responsiveness to it, I think in large part comes from my own inflammatory issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean like joint inflammation, but like systemic inflammation, health challenges, things like that. Sure. Um, so, so I, I think I respond better to those. So within four Metcons, mm-hmm. there's a huge range. We could be talking about four that are 15 to 18 minutes. We could be talking about, you know, one that's sub five, one or two that are five to seven and one mm-hmm. that's 15 plus. How yeah. would you, I know that it's so individual, but you know me. So forget that there's people listening to this because this really was intended right. to be all about me <laughs> and for me. And we just are airing sure. it on the podcast because, you know, it's my sure. show. Um, um, what would you say for me personally? I would say the sweet spot, I think, to get the most bang for your buck, but not getting not getting too long and the quality of your movement and the general workout setting start to really drag and maybe even frustrate you, I think is somewhere between the six and 12 minute range. Okay. In my opinion, probably less than 12 minutes in my own personal training, right? In general, I, I don't actually like the throttle gas pedal kind of workouts, the three, four minute workouts. They just, I mean, I'm okay at them, I guess I would rather suffer for 20 minutes especially in a competitive setting and then not have to go super hard for three minutes. So it's funny that we're almost exactly opposite yeah. in that scenario, but yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just me, I guess it's where the way I am physio- physiologically and it's what I like. Um, but for you, I would say if you know that you like the super short ones and they're kind of a strength of yours, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't be doing those every day. I would maybe do one once a week, okay. right? Maybe even sometimes once every two weeks, right? And then your other ones focus on somewhere between six and 12 with the occasional Metcon that was maybe a little over 15 minutes. Or right? maybe I don't even, think... what do you think about doing, say, two back-to-back three-minute Metcons? That's an option as well. A format that you often see and I think actually is very effective is a three to four minute AMRAP with maybe half to one rest, give or take. So you might rest two minutes and do it again. You might rest kind of a one to one, you know, work for three to four, rest for three, work for three to four, rest for three. And that can be effective as well. Yeah. Um, And it's another form of interval training. It's what it is. And knowing that you have to rest and repeat means you're not going to be going 100%. full gas pedal, 110%, fall yeah. on the floor and crawl out of the gym because yeah. you can't, right? You can't, which may help you a little bit to throttle back and learn your body and figure out how to repeat efforts and pace within a small picture, right? Not a 20 minute workout, but pace a three to four minute workout. So you could do it again. Yeah. So that could be valuable to you. Very much so. 
Okay, so just to summarize, this is, again, for folks listening, this is really for me, but I think everybody can take (laughs) something from this. And then I want to shift into a few rapid-fire questions for you. Um, Doing the strength piece, in addition to the Metcons, about Mm -hmm. three times a week, those big functional movements that we talked about in episode 74, um, that rep range being anywhere from two to six, then Mm -hmm. doing about four Metcons a week, Mm-hmm. And then one to two days per week. And and for folks listening, you're probably like, you're over seven. Yeah, right. These are layered. So some days sure. you might do all three. Some days you might do one. Yeah. And for me, taking one or two full rest days, it's usually one. Every once in a while, it'll be two. Because um, yeah. one or two days per week are going to be those still intervals, but no no barbells, no dumbbells, mm-hmm. just the monostructural. Yeah. So rowing, swimming, biking, running. Yeah, go on and go for a hike. Just just enjoy life, right? There's a lot of things in life that can simply be exercise, but they're just enjoyable as well. Yeah. Those are good. All right. That makes me feel better because, like I said, the, the whole trigger for this conversation was just wanting to make sure that I'm not accepting somebody else's programming as my own. And that mm-hmm. I'm really taking the initiative. And I talk mm-hmm. about this from a nutrition standpoint constantly. Taking somebody else's diet and deciding you're just going to follow it doesn't make sense. Just like taking somebody's exercise prescription and saying, mm-hmm. I'm just going to follow it doesn't make sense. There's so much individual variability and we have to yeah. kind of use our heads a little bit in terms of what are my goals? Is it working? That sort of thing. Absolutely. I concur. You cool with a few rapid fire questions? I will give it my best. So some of these came as a result of after my level one, I did an episode explaining how CrossFit defines fitness and the four different frameworks that they take. Because I just thought that was so fascinating, you know, not Mm -hmm. looking at the marathon runner who can't deadlift or bench press and saying they're the picture of fitness and also not taking, you know, the strongmans of the world who can't run, you know, to their car and mm-hmm. saying that's the pinnacle of fitness. And and I said to the folks there, I said, you know, if you guys have questions about this, um, let me know and either I'll take a crack at answering them or I'll have some of my, my favorite um, people in CrossFit that are far more qualified than I am, like you. A couple of those questions I wanted to get your take on mm-hmm. and I you know I've struggled with this moving to the Cape. How do you know if a CrossFit gym is a good gym? That was a really good question. Um, and it can be hard to determine when you first walk in, right? Yeah. So um, the two things that are, are the largest variables, I think, are going to be the workouts themselves, right, which you kind of have to get in. And, and as I think you know from experience, you got to do some workouts. You might have to be there a couple of weeks to kind of get a feel for that, yeah. unless they have all of their workouts archived online and you can simply look at past programming. Yeah. And then number two is going to be the coaching quality, right? So, uh, and, and again, you've got some personal experience with this. The The workout piece is, if you're in a CrossFit gym, you're looking at the definition of CrossFit and kind of how that applies to what's going on. And that's the constantly varied high intensity functional movement, right? So a couple things that does not mean, right? A whole bunch of reps in a totally random pattern and a lot of the same things every single day, yeah. right? That is not what you want to see. Now, if you don't have a lot of experience with CrossFit, that can be a little harder to identify. Yeah. But generally speaking, are you moving in a, a seemingly well-rounded variety of planes of movement, right? Are you squatting every single day and you haven't pulled in two weeks? 
It's probably not good. Yeah. That's a problem, right? Are you doing push-ups every single day and you haven't done a, maybe a pull-up or a ring row or a one-arm dumbbell row or something of that nature at all, right? So is there a well-rounded aspect to the parts of your body that are being worked, whether you're coming in three days a week or you're coming in five days a week, right? Does it make sense to you as you're doing the workouts? And are you feeling like you're getting a well-rounded picture of fitness, which is the constantly varied piece, okay? Um, can I can I add to that just for yeah, folks yeah, that absolutely. might want to know a little bit more? So you actually took us into a lot more detail on that in episode 74, and you mm-hmm. broke down sort of the major movement patterns of pushing, pulling, hinging, and squatting. And that, I think, gives you a good sense if you're not really sure, like, I wouldn't even know if there's a variable, you know, a, amount of movement here. If you listen to episode 74... We talk about, you know, what are some examples of hinging? What are some examples of pushing and pulling? And once you know that, it becomes a lot easier to identify, oh my gosh, we've pushed like five times this week and we've pulled mm-hmm. once. Okay, that's a problem. Yeah. So Not a strong that, bias you want to have. Yeah, you don't need yeah. years of experience to be able to tell if you're getting that variability. And I think episode 74 for folks um, would be a great refresher. Yeah. Um, kind of to add on that a little bit, and I think it didn't necessarily used to be quite as prevalent, and I think it has become more prevalent. I don't know specifically what your experience was at CrossFit New England, but um, even if it's you know one to three classes, maybe within a week's time frame, or maybe it's something more extended. I've dealt with gyms where it's almost a month-long program, and that is a beginner's or on-ramp style program for new people to truly get acclimated, right? Mm. Because CrossFit is super intense, right? Everybody comes in and they're most of the time terrified before they even get there. And it took a whole lot of guts for them to walk in the door and say, I would like to do CrossFit, right? Um, so when they do that, if, you know, your first day at CrossFit, I was like, hey, I'm going to do a workout with you and you're going to do my workout, right? Let's just, let's just roll with it. That is not very conducive to a new person understanding what's going on, moving well, not getting injured and wanting to stay at that gym. Right. So a beginner's program of some kind where you can work either in a small one on one setting or maybe a small group of probably, you know, four to six people, something like that. A small foundations class, I think, is important. Um, Well, again, I think a lot of CrossFit gyms do that and they call it something like elements or they call it foundations. Foundations. Exactly. And so I think calling a CrossFit gym and saying, do Do you you offer a elements, fundamentals, some, some type of foundational beginning, um, whether it's one-on-one or in a small group asking that question. And while they might not have like, yes, on Wednesdays at 9am we do elements, they might say, Oh, we'll have so-and-so. Exactly. And it's totally cool if it's by appointment only, but I was telling you before we started recording, my mom, who's 60 something, late 60s, 66, (laughs) 67, 65, I don't know. Um, She recently started CrossFit and she texted me after her first one-on-one and she said, I wasn't going to tell you that I was doing it until I could deadlift my body weight, but I just couldn't wait. Um, And yeah, they, they did that. They, she doesn't go to my gym. She, you know, doesn't have anything to do with me. And they took her through a four part elements series that just teaches her the basics of the movement. And then I think the other huge part of it is, and I'm sure you're, we're getting there is, is your coach paying attention to you in your class? 100%. And that's exactly where we were going to go next. Um, you know, once you've kind of got that basic fundamental, 
um, platform for what are these movements that I'm doing. And you've had enough instruction to at least know what people are talking about when they're throwing around these terms in class. Uh, are the coaches paying attention to you, right? Are they more worried about the music that's playing or their Snapchat feed or who else is in the gym they can chat with? Or are they actually walking around, watching people move, paying attention and making sure that you're moving safely and correctly? First and, and there foremost, is a, there right? is a reason that CrossFit calls their coaches coaches mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, right? It, they're not lifeguards. Yeah. They're not just standing there in case somebody gets hurt. They're the first responder. <laughs> there sure. is a difference between cheering mm-hmm. and encouraging and coaching. And you, you know me. I don't give a flip about you saying, come on, Elizabeth, back to the bar. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to get irritated about it. But that's yeah. not what I want from a coach. And right. what CrossFit, how CrossFit actually trains their coaches and at an increasing intensity because there's many levels beyond level one it's use your time with the athlete in your class to say hey Mm -hmm. your weight is in your toes put it back in your heels say hey elbows up and so to me if you have a coach that is just a cheerleader managing the clock Mm -hmm. acting like a lifeguard red flag yeah and, and some of that falls on the member to ask those tough questions and figure out, do they know what they're talking about? Yeah. You know, if every time you ask them a question about a squat, they just go, just stay on your heels and just keep your chest up. Okay, well, that's not the answer to every squat problem that's ever been invented, <laughs> right? It doesn't exactly fix everything, Right. you know, like right. head through, get your chin out of the way. Well, that doesn't fix your push press every single time, <laughs> you know? And I um, also think, you know, I, so, I talked about this very recently related to when people go see their doctor. Yeah. You have a responsibility as well in that conversation as the patient to say, here are my concerns and here's where maybe I'm not doing my part, like own it and be real. And I think that same thing is true in the gym. If you feel like you are unsure, speak up. Like, yes, the coach should be coaching you, but it's not one-on-one training, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an individual relationship. And don't be afraid. I do this all the time. Like, I don't know what it was recently. I think I I felt like maybe the barbell was getting away from me, kind of moving away from my body more than it should have been. And so I said, hey, can you watch this? Can you watch this and tell me this is what I think is happening? Do you see it? Or, you know, how can I do this better? But But I believe very strongly that we have individual responsibility. Agreed. Absolutely. And if you're in a smaller class setting, if you stumble upon one of those and there's very few people there, ask all the questions. Yeah. Right. If you're not in a class of 15 and you're in a class of two, ask all the questions. Yeah. You know, take advantage of that. And that's another way to know if a coach is a good coach. Mm. Do they, this is a huge pet peeve of mine. Do they treat you like you're bothering them? Or mm-hmm. are they happy and eager to answer your questions? Now, granted, mm-hmm. if you go in and you ask the same question every week, like uh, even I would get frustrated. <laughs> like, come on, Jane, we already talked about this 17 times. Mm. You know the answer. What do you think the answer is? But yeah. if there are coaches that would rather be chatting with their coworkers than coaching. Yeah. And yeah. so how they respond to your questions and their willingness and desire to help you is a, mm-hmm. is a big piece of it. Yeah. I agree. And, and one of the things, too, that I think just to, to shortly build up on that point a little bit um, is after going through my level two and coming into learning how to coach, which is really all the level two is. One of the things that I think helped develop myself as a coach, whether in a group or a private setting, 
is having multiple ways to address a problem with an athlete, right? So if they're just standing there and they're holding their PVC pipe and drinking their coffee and they're like, hey, man, uh, do this. And that's all they say to you, right? And then the cue is gone and they move on to somebody else and it doesn't necessarily fix your problem. Then what they did was pretty much worthless, right? right? It didn't help you at all. If they can give you maybe even a physical cue, like and they put their hand on your back and say, hey, I need you to pull your shoulder blades together and pinch my fingers between them, right? Give you some sort of tactile cue. Maybe even the next step would be, can they show you what you're doing wrong and then do it right? Right. This is what you're doing and this is what I want you to do. I've had more people come up and be like, wow, that really helped me figure out what I was doing wrong. Right. Because or they even, don't know what it looks like to do it wrong because they can't watch themselves do it. Well, and so they need to see it. At CFNE, I remember one of the coaches taking video of me doing double unders yep. and showing me because it takes a tremendous amount of body awareness to know mm-hmm. you're pulling your feet up. You're like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the video wasn't to be shared anywhere. It wasn't like he was going right. to put it up on their website, but just to say, yeah. Elizabeth, this is what you're doing and it needs to be like this instead. And yeah. that visual cue, I, I think some coaches really want you to get better and other mm-hmm. coaches want a paycheck. And, and what you said there about video, I typically apply that a lot of times with people I work with on lifting, but it can apply to any type of movement, right? Oh, absolutely. Do right. not underestimate the power of watching yourself move, good or bad, right? It doesn't mean the video has to go up with 20 hashtags and five filters to all your homies on Instagram. Just watch it and see what you did I did that for myself, and my master's club knows this. I don't think I shared it on the podcast. I, for the month of July, I videoed myself doing 20 burpees for time every day. Mm -hmm. That's not a workout, right? I mean, definitely it'll get you breathless, um, especially if you're trying, and I was. But part of it was I want to train myself out of not looking at my body. Mm-hmm. And I want to get comfortable watching myself move because mm-hmm. talk about non-scale victory. When you can see yourself moving better with better it's form, it's so huge, right? It's huge. Yeah. And, and you can find so many inefficiencies. So even if you are not in a class, do not be afraid. Like if you decide mm-hmm. to go to CrossFit.com just for the sake of watching some of these tutorials and then mm-hmm. you're like, is that me? Get your phone out, video yourself, and then watch them side by side. You don't have to post it anywhere. You can delete it immediately. You don't have to worry about your kids finding it. But I think that is a free and fantastic tool. Yes. For sure. Okay. Absolutely. What do you wish more people knew about fitness? Mm, That's a good question. I tried. More people knew about fitness. Like if you um, could have everybody that you interact with understand this one thing, mm-hmm. you would be happy. I have like That's, so many different answers running through my yeah, mind. Yeah, I was going to say I got a million. Say. <laughs> um, I would say number one, and it's kind of two parts. I don't know. I feel like I have to really think about that question. Number one would be it goes back to the intensity versus – Versus yeah. effort that we talked about because most people come into the gym and it's just they just have to check the box and they just got to be there for 45 minutes and they got to do whatever they got to do. Yeah. But if they gave it that mental and physical effort and they just applied themselves like they do in a lot of other areas in life, right, that maybe they have goals in. If they would apply themselves that way, I think they would be amazed at the results, yeah. right? And number two is that 
you cannot underestimate the power of consistency, yeah. right? If you don't feel like it, great, but you are telling me that you have goals, yeah. right? You are telling me you want to do these things or you want to uh, move this way or you want to look this way or whatever it is. And if you don't have the initiative to come in, at least be consistent, even on days when you don't want to be there, right? Because I have those days and I've been doing this for a very long time, right? Consistency is huge. Yeah. It's just like habit building. It's just like anything else we do. Consistency is key. Yeah. I find, and I think you to some extent, live in a little bit of a bubble from the perspective of most of the people that you work out with and around work hard in the gym. Like aren't afraid to feel a little (laughs) or a lot uncomfortable after a workout. (laughs) Sure. What I I deal with is a lot of people who have never pushed themselves that way they've always Mm -hmm. stopped when it starts to get uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. they're quite frankly like legitimately afraid of that intensity yeah what would you say to those people i would actually say this right and it was a quote i saw one time from chris spieler right he's a guy who or maybe just a post i don't know if it was a direct quote from him but it was a post in a conversation he had about learning how to work out Right. And figuring out that whole aspect of how hard is too hard and how do you pace? Mm -hmm. And one thing that I picked up from that for myself was every once in a while, you need to go out and maybe come out faster than you think you can hold on. Mm -hmm. And you just need to learn what your body does. Right. Maybe it's a 10 minute workout and you come out like it's a five minute workout. And maybe at five minutes you sit there and you're like, dude, I need a good minute to just get myself together here before I finish this workout. Now, most people look at that and be like, well, you shouldn't quit the workout. You need to keep moving. I look at that and say, you're not going to do that all the time. But you learned something about yourself today. Yeah. Because if you don't come out and maybe throttle it a little bit, maybe hurt, maybe even break down for 30 to 60 seconds and have to collect yourself, how are you ever going to know where that line is? Yeah. You're never going to know. Right. So I'm saying don't be afraid to hurt. You're going to hurt. And all the people that you watch on Instagram who work out or the people at the CrossFit Games, I promise you they're doing the same thing. If they're worth anything, they are pushing themselves a little too hard occasionally and they might fail. Right. They might not hit the workout plan they had in their head. And you learn a lot from failure. You usually learn more than from success. So and that's you can apply where all that the here progress too. is, right? Like outside Agreed. of your comfort zone. If you right. stop every single time you start to struggle, like with breath or with legs burning or lungs burning, I always tell myself I have one more second in me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just I will literally in a workout count to one over and over and over and over (laughs) because I know I always have one second left. And when you push yourself and you find that you, you just open up so much more for yourself. Like I, I've shared this quote before and I don't even remember now who to attribute it to, but can't remember the quote, but basically this idea that most of us live in this one corner of the room of our lives and we mm-hmm. walk back and forth on the same stretch of carpet in that same one room mm-hmm. when there's so much more available to us. Like, break the box. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just break the box. And, and the, the add-on to that is, you know, and, and you have to learn this from experience. And I'm sure you yourself have figured this out. You get done with a workout, right? Or many things in life. But you get done with a workout, you can have one of two feelings. Man, I push really hard and that really, really hurt, right? Or... Yeah, I really paced it perfectly and I I think I did relatively okay. But I could have done better had I been willing to push a little bit harder. So you want to finish and have room left over? You want to finish and be like, that's all I had today. That was it. I gave it 110%. A lot more satisfying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Finishing knowing I just crushed my soul. Yeah. 
feels so good. Yeah. After you feel like you're going to puke. The other thing that happens there, and then and then we'll, we'll wrap up with my last question, but I think this is an important thing for people to understand, that feeling like I could throw up, that's a mm-hmm. neuroendocrine response that actually is advantageous to your body. Now, I am not suggesting that you want to get yourself to the point in every workout where you either do throw up or you want to throw up. Like, I am not advocating that. But the reality is that this intensity we're talking about creates Mm -hmm. a response from your body, a neuroendocrine response, meaning that your brain and your hormones are all engaged in the what the what is happening and Mm -hmm. that that is an adaptive mechanism of your body that builds strength, burns fat, releases growth hormone to heal and mm-hmm. repair your body. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Right, which goes right back to what we said. If people focused on intensity, they realize not only the benefits of that, but the downside to never knowing what it's like to push that hard. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, my last question is a little selfish. Oh, man. Have you ever thought, I was about to be like, are you going to move to New England? But because I'm, <laughs> I'm always like, come move up here and train me again. Oh, um, but no, seriously, have you ever considered, and I know you do a lot of coaching and you do a lot of one-on-one training. Um, and I, that was one of the best training experiences of my life, being able to work with you when I was living in North Carolina. Have you ever thought about putting together like a, a PDF or something really simple that's like a getting started kind of people who maybe have questions, they're a little scared, they're new to CrossFit, like getting started with functional movements and high intensity, like a a one or two page PDF. The reason I'm asking is because if you ever did that, I would be so pumped to tell my listeners about it because I bet you that there are thousands of people that are like, yeah, 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 I need that. I had not given it thought, but now that you mention it, I guess there would probably be some value in that based on this conversation we've just had for over an hour. I know. And I really, <laughs> really appreciate your time. But yeah, no, guys, I yeah. am going to push on Nathan uh, to think about putting something like that together because I think it would be really valuable. Um, and so if he does, I will absolutely let you know. And also, if you think of things that we didn't talk about that you would find helpful that you're confused about that you don't understand leave a comment over on the show notes or tag me over on instagram at elizabeth benton and i will make sure that um i get an answer to you either reach out to nathan and ask for his two cents or um maybe he'll put together this pdf and we'll have all of our questions (laughs) answered so i am i am always grateful for any opportunity to get to chat with you and uh, this was a very selfish desire to create a structure for me so that in addition to the classes, making sure that those fit in with what I'm doing weekly, uh, whether in the gym or outside of the gym to be really well-rounded and be making progress towards my fitness goals. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. 
just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.